Howdy, everybody, and welcome to another BP Movie Journal, the show we do where we talk about the stuff we've seen since the last time we did one of these. I'm David. I'm Tyler. Let's jump in. Okay. So uh, my first movie here is one that I uh, meant to talk about uh, in the last movie journal, but it turns out it had an embargo I didn't know about. Um, and that is uh, Aiton, I don't know if that's how you say his first name, uh, Rockaway's Lansky. Um, I wrote a review of this. You can find it at battleshipretention.com, so I won't spend a lot of time on it, except to say that I was very disappointed. Um, it's, you know what, I was disappointed, but at the same time, you know, you watch enough movies and movies like this where you you can't quite tell what the budget is probably a little bit lower and you can just tell like this is not essential this is not an essential movie um i my biggest the, the only movie i can really compare it to is devil's not uh directed by a friend of the show uh adam right. mcgoyan yeah. um but a movie that was completely unnecessary because we already had the paradise lost documentaries and it brought nothing else to it mm-hmm and this is what it feels like. We've seen Meyer Lansky portrayed on screen many times. Uh, in, ver- in varying to, with varying levels of quality, but there was a TV movie starring Richard Dreyfuss, okay. written by David Mamet in the 90s. Uh, Meyer Lansky was played by uh, Ben Kingsley in that's, Bugsy. That's the one I think of. Um, which also stars Harvey Keitel, who plays Mickey Cohen in that. Um, uh, he was in the terrible movie Mobsters uh, with like, you know, uh, Christian Bale, uh, not Christian Bale, Christian Slater as like Lucky Luciano and stuff. Uh, I don't even remember that movie. Oh, it's not good. Okay. Um, I think I, I think Richard Grieco might be in it as uh, Bugsy Siegel. Anyway, um, and then of course, uh, what's his name? Hyman Roth in Godfather Part Two is kind of inspired okay. by uh, Meyer Lansky. So we've seen this character, this this historical figure portrayed many times. And while I do adore Harvey Keitel, you just get the sense like this: there's no question he's going to be the best part of it, and he's probably not going to be utilized as much as he should be. And that is absolutely true. Um, the film just feels like it borrows from so many other movies that do what they're doing better. Uh, because, uh, Sam, what Sam Worthington, is that his name? Yeah. From avatar, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, he, he's in the film as like, Oh, he's a writer and he's interviewing Lansky. And so we get these like flashbacks and they try to make the writer a character and there's nothing there. And it's like, and it's a dynamic that they're, it's like they're trying to grab, uh, get the same dynamic as like a beautiful day in the neighborhood and they're not succeeding. Um, and then they have this aging gangster talking about his life, just like the Irishman, not nearly as good as that. Um, and it's unfortunate because the, the, the cast does what they can, but for the most part, it brings nothing new to the conversation. It doesn't shine any light on Lansky or organized crime or any, or any kind of morality. Um, it's brutally violent, but somehow even that's not very memorable. And then the film kind of has the audacity and like the, the, the ending like crawl to talk about the impact, the economic impact of Las Vegas, which Lansky obviously had a hand in. And she's like, so what, wait, what, why are you bringing that up? (laughs) Like if you, if this were a better movie, then you might be saying, Hey, the success of um, a country like the United States, you just cannot help, but uh, there's going to be some shady stuff underneath. But 
that's the fucking Godfather made that point. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just like we don't. Nothing about the movie is necessary, and there's some good performances, sure, uh, but for the most part, and also just the way that the Lansky, the older Lansky, because we do see him played by a younger uh, actor, mm-hmm. um, the older Lansky, he just speaks in like sort of idioms and truisms, and just he would seem to be speaking in very broad wisdoms, and it's just man, it's just such a nothing of a movie, which is a shame because I feel like they really waste Harvey Keitel who's doing good work but with a nothing character who plays the younger Lansky anyone his name is John gosh now I don't remember it's uh, John Magaro uh, Magaro oh um, yes. who was in the big short he was in Carol he's been in a bunch of stuff he's he was in, in Overlord which um, I yeah uh, he's in the movie that David Chase directed what's it called um uh not, not fade, fade away. away. Yeah. Yes, he's in that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's been in a lot of stuff. He's very good as the younger Lansky. He does a very yeah, good I job. Like him. Um, but yeah, for the most part, uh, the film is just a, a swing and a mess. All right. Uh, I watched a Macedonian film. Macedonian? Macedonian. Uh, Macedonian uh, film directed by Tiona Strugar Mitevska. And the name of the movie is God Exists, Her Name is Petrunia. Uh, and it is about a, um, a, a, a young woman in a small Macedonian town who's um, got a, a, a college degree and lives with her parents and doesn't have a job. And her, uh, the day of the movie, her, her um, mom wakes her up and says, I got you a job interview. You got to go to this interview. The interview goes horribly, not just that she doesn't get the job. It's, hor- it's a horrible experience all around. She's walking home in a very... Um, just a a, a real funk and as she's crossing the river back to her town there's this religious ceremony happening at the river and she given the place that she's in she decides to jump in literally jump in and join the ceremony participate in the ceremony um which uh it turns out women aren't supposed to do um and uh uh, the very quickly the town rallies against her. She is um, essentially arrested, um, and uh, most of the movie actually takes place at the police station. It's one of these all in one night. It's like a twenty four hour mm-hmm. type of type of of, of movie, um, and it's a, a, a movie where you can um, it it works as as allegory if you if you look up things about the Macedonian economy and um, misogyny in Macedonia and the way that not just in Macedonia in general, often um, a, a struggling economy in a, in a nation um, has a t- tends to be taken out more on less privileged members of, of society, all that's going on. And there's a, this, the movie works as an allegory for all of these, these things, but it's also just a great, uh, movie, a great character, uh, 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 piece. And it's also not willing to draw, um, uh, clean lines and making its allegory, especially when it comes to its criticism of, like I said, she has interrupted a religious ceremony and ends up getting arrested for it. The movie clearly has something to say about how closely connected uh, small-town government, small-town institutions are with the local church, and it's not necessarily... It's not positive things that it's yeah. saying, but the movie, I think, also does a very good job of exploring, like... Well, but also, like, 
the fact that she jumped in, like she, and she, uh, even before that happened, she said some, uh, faith based stuff. Like, um, she, the, this isn't a condemnation of the church. It's a condemnation of how it has, uh, become entangled, uh, with, um, other things and, 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 uh, uh, become entangled with power structures. Um, whereas like the movie has, um, multiple Christian characters who exist on all sorts of, um, all, all sorts of places along the spectrum, um, Mm uh, of, of nice to just horribly, horrible hypocrites. You know, there's a, it, it's a very like, you choke on your laughter, bitter joke. But uh, one of the few things we know about Petrunia, the main character, um, or that we are at least, it is implied very early on that even, you know, she's in her thirties, but it's implied very early on that she's a virgin. Um, and by the end of the movie, the number of times that she's been called a whore by, mm. uh, by these, mostly the young men in the, in sure. the, in, in the church, uh, it's, it, it's like, it's a bitter joke. Yeah. Um, the movie's a, uh, really well made, um, not always an easy watch, but a uh, terrific lead performance um, by Zorika Nusheva is her name who plays Petrunia, who's like never acted before and she's hmm. terrific. She kind of, um, I don't know, I, I don't want to be too uh, reductive because they're both like uh, um, plus size people, but she kind of reminds me of Ricky Lake. Uh, her 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 look and I'm a big uh, Ricky Lake fan. Um, so that's uh, yeah. God exists. Her name is Petrunia. You can find my review at battleshippretension.com. Battleshippretension.com. Uh, okay, so this is my only rewatch. Uh, that's not true. I rewatched several movies, but this is the only one that I feel like I have anything new to say. Um, so as people know, I'm working on another documentary right now that is horror based. And so, um, I've been just like ripping a lot of DVDs and Blu-rays and occasionally going in and I'm logging footage and that sort of thing. And then I, but as has happened, I've, I've watched, uh, just, just watched the movies in their entirety. Cause it's been a while since I've seen them. <sighs> I rewatched Arachnophobia. Oh, good for you. no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was not good for me. Okay. First off, it's a very good movie. I haven't seen it in so long. I'm glad to hear that. Solid. I mean, it's great cast all around. Do you know what I had as a kid? What's that? I had not the novelization of Arachnophobia. I had the graphic novelization oh. of Arachnophobia. Same as Dick Tracy. I had the, the Dick Tracy movie. I had the graphic novelization of Dick Tracy, too. So I like... I've probably seen Arachnophobia twice, but I read that novel sure. so many times. Yeah. Uh... Man, I was already scared of spiders when I saw Arachnophobia in the theater, hmm. 1990. If you're doing your math right, I'm eight. Mm-hmm. So I was, and I, but I grew up with tarantulas and scorpions and stuff like that, and so like I already was terrified of spiders. Like not in the house, but you <laughs> nearer. I mean, you know, you got to check your shoes in the desert. Yeah, you lived um, in uh, like Kern County when you yeah. were a kid, which yeah. That's and uh, rattlesnake uh, rattlesnakes as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, nothing good, <laughs> certainly. Um, but uh, well, the good thing is out there. You don't have Uncle Sam poking in your business every uh, 15 yeah. minutes. <laughs> exactly. You get caught in a different kind of web there. Uh, but uh, a web of union corruption. Anyway, the point is. Um, <laughs> um, so. So, and I've seen the movie a couple of times. It's, it is very funny. 
and Jeff Daniels is your leading man, and it's a very, it's a very subtle performance, but it's very funny. Like there's a, a scene that I love where he's he's uh, talking with his children and he's talking about his fear of spiders. And he, we, he doesn't even know that there's a lethal new spider mm-hmm. in his town. He's like, he goes, now if you see a spider, don't try to catch it, don't try to kill it, just run. And and I love that yeah. that idea, yeah. um, regardless of what the spider is. Anyway, man, for like it's it's very well written, wonderfully acted, and it's I mean if you are scared of spiders already, and I am. It, I mean, it will, it genuinely produced nightmares in me. Mm. A couple nights ago, I had a specific tarantula nightmare uh, in which the tarantula was very large, probably about two feet, uh, and its legs turned into tentacles that started to wrap around me. And I freaked the fuck out, and I kicked what I realized later was Charlie, my cat, off of me, who <laughs> he was just quietly sleeping on me. Oh, and I kicked him off. I was like, oh, no, I'm so, so I feel so bad. Um, but it is. I'm, I mean, on one hand, I'm I was I'm like, why did I do this to myself? But on the other hand, it's just such a it is it's that perfect Frank Marshall directed it, you know, producer for the most part, but has mm-hmm. go, when, you know, made uh, several really fun movies in the 90s. But it's that Tremors kind of fun, goofy, genuinely frightening uh, kind of movies. Uh, so if you're terrified of spiders, as I am, and as we all should be, uh, it might not be the movie for you. But if you're not, I think you'll enjoy it quite a bit. I don't have uh, arachnophobia myself, but You're I wrong? do still think of that movie anytime I have to reach up under a lampshade Hell and turn yes. the light on or off. Hell yeah. yes. That's a... I mean, it is... Yeah. You get under your skin there. Yeah, it sure does. Boy, um, oh boy. But I'm not uh, trying to act all like... Like, I'm not scared of spiders, because I'm not scared of spiders, but uh, it, like I'm, you know around our house i get to be the man who like uh, either kills the spider or like traps it and takes it out yeah. uh, outside i get, but um if there's a wasp or a hornet outside sure. our front door like they like our building has these like eaves that are like perfect for like hornets and wasps nest to build there i am like cowering i'm like natalie can you get the the spray yeah. and get the, like i'm so uh bees not so much it's just wasps and hornets are uh yeah, they really get under my skin. Well, and then there's, uh, I know you're afraid of gators. Uh, have you, did you watch Crawl? I forget. Uh, I never did, yeah. But um, that's, what, I mean, like you said with crocodiles, like I feel like a fear of, or no, you, sorry, you said with spiders, a fear of gators and crocodiles is like just common sense. Sure. The dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and, and the way I look at it, and, and I'm actually not scared of snakes, although, of course, if there was a rattlesnake right here, I wouldn't be like, no problem. Uh, yeah. But here's the thing. If you're ever watching a fantasy movie and they take an existing animal and blow it up to a large size, uh, yeah. it's probably going to be a snake or a spider because yeah. at, our, at our core, we understand... Yeah, these don't frighten us until we're the size of a mouse or the size of yeah. a fly. Because I also yeah, watched uh, I also watched Eight Legged Freaks, and that oh, scared that's a funny me. Movie. Um, or that's I don't know if it's a it's a fun movie. Right? It's a fun movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, feels like the uh, horror and fantasy. The uh, 
larger than life wasp is like it's an untapped market i'm not talking about a yeah. lily here uh, <laughs> i'm not talking about like a scary wasp yeah that's like as big as a giraffe yeah it does feel like an over uh, yeah. an oversight yeah we should have more of those all right uh is my turn again yes yes okay i watched oh from one horror comedy to another i went to the Arrow Theater in Santa Monica, mm. got some popcorn and soda, uh, and they were doing a special through Beyond Fest. We're doing a special screening of Josh Rubin's Werewolves Within, um, and uh, <laughs> that was the creepiest thing ever. What? What did you I got do? a text and then looked at an empty chair? <laughs> Maybe it's because I'm like in a, in a horror mind, like. Uh, but I thought you like got a text from like uh, a, a ghost essentially. No, it was uh, Jen asking uh, where the baby monitor was. And so I thought it might be in here, but it is not. No. Um, okay. So Josh Rubin's werewolves within which um, ah, there it is. Um, I, I will say uh, is a very good. If you're going to make a return to the movie, you're going to make a return to, your, to the movies. You, you, you could do a lot worse than uh, a fun, funny, um, and eventually quite gory um, werewolf comedy. Um, it's just okay. I think Tyler, you would love it. I think it's feeling very much up your alley. I'm I'm familiar with Josh Rubin. Uh, he did a lot of work with College Humor, which is okay. a, a site that I actually quite enjoy, and I always enjoy him. Did you see Scare Me? I didn't. It's supposed no, to be I great. Didn't. I didn't. Um, Scare Me sounds very cool. I don't know if you know the premise of Scare Me. Mm-hmm. It's literally just people telling telling ghost stories or horror stories, and he embellishes with sound effects and stuff, but you're just watching a person tell a story. Oh, that's great. Like, and it's a series of those. I really want to watch uh, Scare Me. Um, Werewolves Within is, uh, yeah, confidently made. It could be funnier, uh, uh, I guess. Um, uh, but it's not that it's unfunny. It's just that... And I don't know. I, I'm in the minority because my the, the the theater, the 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 Arrow Theater on Santa Monica. I love that my return to the movie theaters was maybe my favorite movie theater in Los Angeles. Although it's in Santa Monica, you know what I mean. Um, the theater was up in an uproar, laughing uh, okay. at, at this movie. I didn't find it to be like laugh out loud funny very often, but still competently, competently made, sharp. It moves very quickly. Um, it's um, it also I think it has something to say <laughs> in a way that's kind of half-assed or maybe it just reminded me of a movie that uh, said things about it better. Basically, you've got this small town and the people in the small town um, are very American small townish. ish sure. They tend to be white. There is um, uh, implications that a couple of them are Trump supporters. There, there's a joke when uh, Sam Richardson is the lead when they're like, all right, who has a gun? And almost everyone yeah. <laughs> like has a gun. Uh, so the movie is like, and I like that it's not um, that that it's it's it, it, it's respectful to these people. But you've also got other characters like you've got the um, sort of fancy rich gay retired couple who moved into the town for the uh, and, and they're much more the left wing sort of thing. And then what happens at a certain pretty soon in the movie is they decide to all hole up at the inn together while the werewolves out there and it's snowing and the door is shut. It's it's like hateful eight, but yeah. with the werewolf outside. Um, but it's not as, as, um, committed to that sort of dialectic as, um, hateful eight, uh, it, both in depth and in the fact that it, like 
gives it up by the end of the second act and it's just like the third act is just like uh all right we've had enough sort of slow burn killing people off tension let's just fucking slaughter everybody in the third in the third act which i'm not complaining there's like some really good funny gory deaths in okay. in, 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 in the movie um uh but yeah fun time uh, great cast uh you've got um uh, Sam Richardson, I mentioned, is the is the lead. Uh, Milana Vaintrub is the female lead. Um, you might know her from cell phone commercials. Um, oh, okay. Uh, do you know who I'm talking about? The uh, I, I forget I what cell phone so. store it is. Um, uh, she wears like a blue shirt. Um, uh, oh yes, yes. I, yes, I can picture her. Yeah, um, and she's actually really good. I'm I'm glad. I, I don't know why I feel weird to like. I'm always maybe it's because like I knew who and I'm forgetting Steph, is it Stephanie Courtney who's Flo from Progressive do you know is that her name I don't remember like I knew who she was cause like just sort of comedy world I knew she was like funny and I thought she was funny and I've always been like she's still Flo like 15 years later and I'm like good for her financially I'm sure, sure. but like I wonder if there's a like she's an actress like is there yeah is there some frustration that she's known? Oh, known undoubtedly. For this? And so I, I like, I, I'm weirdly happy to see Milana Vaintrub, um, who was also in a couple episodes of, uh, love the, uh, with our friend, friend of the show, Paul Rust. Um, so I, I'd like, I'd see, I'd seen her in non cell phone commercial things, but yeah. I'm like, weirdly like good for her that she's doing so good. Um, other members of the cast include Michaela Watkins, who's great in everything. Uh, Michael Chernis, is that his name? Uh, he's very funny. He's in Mistress America. Uh, George Basil, um, who you might know. Tyler, you watched all of Silicon Valley? I did. Do you remember? I think it's in the final season or maybe the second to last season. There's a character where a guy who used to be Richard's boss now works for them, and he's like playing these mind games. Yes. Yeah. So that's George Basil. He's very funny in, yeah. in the movie. Um, Glenn Fleshler, uh, oh yeah, uh, yeah, from Joker, among other things, yes, uh, is in the movie. Yeah, it's a, a, a good cast. I'm sure I'm leaving. Oh yeah, I'm leaving. Uh, Cheyenne Jackson and um, Harvey Guillen hmm. um, play the gay couple, and they're both uh, both good. So yeah, it's a fun time. Yeah, I can't. I'm not I like a good werewolf movie. Apart. Yeah, I've been watching a lot of them uh, right. and a lot of clips of them, and uh, yeah, it's just uh, something that that appeals to me. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Uh, I'll tell you one thing that doesn't appeal to me is Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. Oh. Holy shit. Really? I hated this movie <laughs> so much. But There's a couple... Tig. I know. I appreciate what she is doing. And I, I haven't seen it, but I just I like also, and have for a long time. I don't usually like when an actor like winks at you, but she's like winking the whole time with both eyes. And I love it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and there's a, and there's another, there's a character. Like named, she's like saying, 
it's funny that I'm in this. Is that like, Oh yes. Oh, a hundred percent. Uh, in my opinion, uh, there is an actor named, uh, Matthias, uh, uh, Schweighofer. Okay. Um, who plays uh, the character Dieter, who's the, uh, the safe cracker. Uh, he's fun. He's kind of a comic relief, but they also know when to take him seriously. I appreciate that. Um, man, just from the word go, I just like, I hate what this movie is doing. I hate that it, it seems to want to be very knowing and clever while also being so dour and wanting us to take this seriously and just like pick a tone and, or, you know what? It is possible to incorporate those two tones, but not for Zack Snyder. He's not good at that sort of thing. It sounds God like... help us when Zack Snyder decides he wants to be funny. Uh, right. It's like one of the worst things ever. It sounds like what you're describing might be, am I wrong in saying that the right version of this movie is a movie that I love called Reign of Fire? <laughs> <laughs> is it going for that sort of like... It's nah, not quite okay. that. It's not... I mean, it's over the top, but it's not like just just balls out crazy over the top it's 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 hard to it's hard to even really talk much about it's just it's that Zack Snyder uh, excess that you know if you've seen one you know exactly what I'm talking about just the kind of thing that he will do whether including the the running time like this is supposed to be a heist movie uh, granted in the midst of like a zombie apocalypse it's like okay the premise is fun I really like that. Um, but it's like two hours and 20 minutes. There are scenes that are just really drawn out. And I just, I kept wanting to yell like, who cares? <laughs> At like these long drawn out scenes between characters. There's like a moment ago, you, this character was like a, a, a wisecracking guy. Now you want me to genuinely think that he matters? Like, what are you doing here? Like, do you, have you learned nothing? Have you learned nothing from a your own movie with Dawn of the Dead, mm-hmm. written by John Gunn? Uh, James sorry, Gunn. James Gunn. Pardon me. Uh, who look? I, film's a director's medium, but I'm willing to put any positive thing about Dawn of the Dead down to James Gunn. <laughs> now that we know, um, because this was co-written by Zack Snyder, he's his own DP. I don't think the movie looks terrible, but it certainly doesn't look good either. Okay. I. I don't get, I didn't get sick to my stomach, but you just get a pit in your stomach. You just feel empty. And that's how I felt when I was watching this movie. I just felt so empty by the end. And it also, and at times the film felt oddly misanthropic, but not enough for it to feel like it's being misanthropic Mm -hmm. as a point of view, almost like accidentally misanthropic, which is what will happen when you try to be serious and funny at the same time. And you can't do it with life and death circumstances. It, man, I, I tried to give it a shot. I watched the whole thing. And ju- and every once in a while there'd be a moment where I'm like I'm like okay 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 we got it I'm I, I think I see where we're going and then it was going to hell is where we're going and some people like this movie some people that I trust which is fine I hated it so much it is it's right there for me with Mortal Kombat as okay. far as like 2021 oh, and they both have Sonata in them <laughs> yeah. And he's the best part of both, I would say. 
Uh, Tig is fun. Don't get me wrong. Okay, good. She is fun. Um, but she does seem to be existing, I mean, for a number of reasons. She exists in a different movie. Uh, she's kind of on her own. And, right. uh, yeah. Ugh. All right. Um, I watched a movie you can read my review at battleshipretention.com and catch it on, on Hulu. Uh, John Lee's False Positive and I really, really dug it. I think we have a new entry in the uh, pregnancy horror subgenre. Sure. Like, uh, obviously, Rosemary's Baby is kind of maybe the... the Prevenge, uh, that's one. Prevenge, I, I didn't see. I, you, you, you saw that. Yeah. Um, it actually... Um, most closely resemble closely resembles a movie from 1991 or 1990 um, that I love and that, according to the internet, uh, people don't. Called the Unborn uh, with Brooke Adams, hmm. um, uh, because both of them have the same general premise, which is that a woman who's having a tough time conceiving goes to a very expensive. Uh, hard to book doctor for an in vitro fertilization um, procedure. It's successful, but then there starts to be questions of what is she really pregnant with? Hmm. Uh, so they, they, both movies have kind of the same uh, uh, premise there. This one is um, written by and starring uh, Ilana Glazer from Broad City, um, which is weird when you realize that it's when you start to watch the movie and be like, Oh, oh this isn't a comedy. <laughs> like it's, it's very sharp and clever. So I feel like there are comedy sort of skills of observation being used here, but not for laughs, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Uh, and John Lee, the, the director is, um, also a comedy guy. He directed broad city episodes. He directed neon Joe werewolf hunter episodes. Um, you remember that the John Glazer show, uh, after delocated, but before John Glazer loves gear. Um, um what was it called? Uh, Neon Joe Werewolf Hunter. No. Oh. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of comedy pedigree uh, here. Even Justin Thoreau, who plays the husband's, like, you know, he's not a comedian, but he's been funny uh, yeah. in the past. But um, so Alana Glazer plays sort of the uh, wife of a wealthy doctor. They're having trouble. Uh, he says, let me use my connections in the medical world. And uh, this guy who used to be my teacher when I was in med school is now like a much sought after specialist. He's played by Pierce Brosnan. Okay. Uh, um, and so they go to this doctor and, uh, um, as she's sort of having the procedure, she's like losing consciousness. She sort of thinks maybe she overhears a scrap of a conversation between Pierce Brosnan and Justin Throw, And that sort of just that basic seed of paranoia of like, do they know something? I don't, Hmm metastasizes and becomes uh, completely consuming uh, uh, so it's a yeah a paranoid psychological thriller um, but very much in this sort of almost surreal horror uh, hmm. camp it's really good a uh, couple, couple of uh, side notes I'll say we uh, you hear a lot on the internet about how Paul Rudd doesn't age yeah I want to know what kind of potion Gretchen Maul is drinking. Because <laughs> she, she plays like yeah. the Pierce Brosnan's head, um, like head, the head nurse at his clinic. And I was like, you'd think it was 1998. This is Rounders again. She looks exactly the same um, uh, as she did then. Other note, this is very inside stuff. And the listeners don't care. But I just have to like, look, I understand when you're giving a screener link to a critic, you're not, it's not going to be the full information. It's going to be a compressed file. Yeah. You know, you don't, you, you know, you don't have the bandwidth for, uh, all the critics to have individually watermarked, you know, right. uh, full, you know, information files. Um, 
uh, full resolution uh, files. But man, when it's a horror movie, a lot of which is very dark, there are parts of this screener that Hulu gave me that I was like, oh, what? Is she opening a door? What is that? Like, mm. is there something on the floor? No, she's got her hand in I like, I couldn't entirely tell. It's, it was and so it's, compressed that it was just like... Bloody. And it's tough because you're just like, is this a... Is this a flaw in the part of the filmmaking? Did they just not light it well enough? Or is yeah. it but something it's, else? I could tell it's the compression because it's not only is it too dark, it's like block, you know, it's like oh, artifacting yeah, yeah, yeah. with those yeah, blocks. Yeah. So like, uh, yeah, there's just a minor complaint that, uh, uh, look, I understand why I'm not getting the same thing I'm going to get when I actually watch it on Hulu. Yeah. But uh, I had the same problem way back at the beginning of the pandemic with um, The Vast of Night that like I loved the movie and gave it a good review but as soon as it was actually available on Amazon I watched it again because I wanted to yeah. clarify what happened at the end because it's so dark at the end of that movie yes I get it um, uh, anyway m- minor complaint what is your fourth and final movie yeah. yes uh, it is uh, Taylor Morden's The Last Blockbuster uh, documentary okay about uh, the block, the last blockbuster, of course, in uh, Bend, Oregon, but it, of course, is is also reflecting on the history of video stores, blockbuster in particular, and talking a little bit about like what happened and where we are now, and maybe why we miss uh, uh, video stores. Um, as a film, it's that cutesy bullshit that I really don't like, where just. Yeah. They, they got a lot of talking heads. They have Lauren Lapkus, who is someone I enjoy, but she's the narrator. And she has a she has the type of voice that like, oh, you turn it if you if, like if you have like an unironic, maybe maybe it's meant to be ironic. But like if you have that kind of cutesy narration and she's the one doing it, it sounds worse. Hmm. It's not it's not her fault. It's just, you know, you can use a performer's cadence right that's in a way that is not great um so it's frustrating in that regard uh you know and then at times i think it's a little bit too as the case with anything nostalgic and i'm more prone to nostalgia than you um and i miss video stores certainly they're a huge part of my film education and my film love um but I, there are a couple moments where it's just like it's so it's it's reverential to the point where like people are talking about like you know they open up like some of the commentators like are given like a, a blockbuster like VHS box and they open it up and they talk about like oh and when you close it back up it makes this noise and oh I miss you know that's such a great noise and of course like there's nothing valuable in the thing itself it's mm-hmm. it's what it, it's it's the fact that you don't have it anymore first off and what it meant to you at the time so of course everything is going to take on this this tone and so there are times where it just where even i and i again i miss this stuff even i'm just like all right <laughs> we got it that said there are some really nice there are some really nice moments and it does Yes, it's about Blockbuster, but it's about it's using Blockbuster to talk about just the fact of the video store and what it used to be and how big it was and how vital it was to people uh, who love movies. And, uh, you know, they and they do to their credit, they spend a lot of time with like the family run last Blockbuster in Bend, Oregon. And you spend a lot of time in that Blockbuster just kind of perusing the shelves. And it's really nice. You get a sense of atmosphere there. Uh, And then. 
uh, Doug Benson, who is mm-hmm. one of the interviewees. You see him go there. And, you know, Doug is a guy that I feel like I say, Doug, you know what? He hasn't been on the show, but we've gone to see him enough times that it feels <laughs> right. like he has. Yeah. So I will say Doug Benson. I won't say him, say his first name because we don't know. But, um, but he's the kind of guy I feel like he doesn't really give a lot of himself on screen. He often seems to be mm-hmm. or on stage. He often seems to be sort of in character, which is fine. Um, and he mostly is here, but like when he goes to the the store, he's he talks with the 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 woman who runs it. He's very friendly, and there's just and you can just see something on his face as he's looking around, and just some of the stuff that he said. He goes, he's like, I did not know I missed Blockbuster until mm. I came here, um, and so there's enough moments of like genuine. Uh, reflection on the part of some some of the people involved uh, that it's definitely worth watching. Uh, and to their credit, they also interview Lloyd Kaufman, who does not have good things to say about, about Blockbuster because oh, yeah. it's trauma, and they didn't carry any of his, any of his stuff. Um, and so he's upset with them. And, and so I, I like that they try to at least give the other side because certainly in the world of video stores for many years blockbuster is was not a beloved uh, right. uh, thing yeah and so yeah. i like that they at least give some voice to that um but yeah yeah because I, I wasn't a uh blockbuster yeah person either like when i was young it was because like my parents saw blockbuster too expensive so we went sure. to the grocery store video counter and then yeah as i got older i was like now nah, i go to independent video stores yeah i didn't actually have a blockbuster near me for a long time so i went to all those independent video stores and i loved them and they ha- played a big role and then yeah. uh, then i worked at video update and then i worked at a blockbuster eventually right and and i do you miss a couple I worked at three total, um, two in Chicago and one in, uh, uh, studio city. But, um, yeah, it's the film is, if you hear the premise and you, and you're savvy to a certain type of pop culture documentary, Mm -hmm. it's exactly what you think it's going to be. Yeah. But within that, you also know that it's going to, it's going to push certain buttons because you grew up at a certain time, you're a certain kind of movie watcher, uh, and it does that effectively as well. So it's worth watching, but don't expect it to be particularly... It's not going to throw you any curveballs. Um, well, that uh, kind of sums up my feelings on the next movie, the final movie that I watched, um, Natalie Morales' Plan B, which is a Hulu oh, yeah. uh, comedy. It's... Um, uh, I'll say, I, I'll, I'll start with the positive, which is by the end, I was very much into its energy, especially... Um, it's a, an argument... The movie is an argument that star chemistry goes a long sure. way. So the main two, uh, uh, Kuhu Verma and Victoria Morales, um, not Morales, she's not related to the director whose last name is Morales. This is uh, Victoria Morales. Um, their energy together and, uh, and, and the movie's as it goes on, just sort of a uh, general sense of like all in one night adventure kind mm-hmm. of takes over. Um, but early on, it just feels like, and it's, I guess it, it, the movie might benefit from lowered expectations. You know, they used to be before like big Spike Lee movies and stuff premiered on streaming networks. You know, mm-hmm. there used to be like the idea of the direct to video movie where you yes. have like, Oh, there was a movie that was a hit, and now you were you know, working in video stores. Like, oh, here's four to six movies that are very similar. Yeah. So, Plan B feels like it's very much the sort of made for Hulu book smart. Sure. It's not as 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 funny, um, definitely, and it also just feels 
smaller. Um, uh, I think Natalie Morales as a director is better at directing actors than she is at sort of composing uh, images. It's it's it's. Um, I mean, it's not the movie's not ugly. It's just not. It doesn't seem particularly um, in, inspired. Uh, the premise is that just two uh, sort of very nerdy high school girls, much like Booksmart. Um, the one's mom goes out of town, and she did, they decide I'm going to throw a party, something they would never do. She um, has too much to drink at the party. Has a sexual encounter that she regrets and decides to uh seek the morning after pill which in her small town is not an easy thing to do and so they go on sort of a mini road trip to uh the nearest city which is um i think uh sioux falls it's like the nearest city to where they they live that's the big city to them um and they get into a series of hijinks and uh adventures and when it's in that sort of like one crazy night mode i sure. I, I do like its energy it's it uh, the another thing it shares with book smart is um, like not quite okay, it, it, it's not quite to the level that Booksmart did which is the only I like Booksmart a lot as a comedy There, the one thing I had the one thing I had sort of a, a problem with Booksmart did you see I forget did you see Booksmart I did okay the, I mostly didn't love it the one problem main problem I have is that like yeah, the characters are feminists, but also so is everyone else in this world. Like, yes. there's no, and and Plan B is not quite that like um, uh, hermetic and 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 sort of like uh, dream world ish, but it does feel like it has the the corners sanded off it uh, a, yeah. a, a little bit. Um, so that's a bit of a problem. The uh, joke wise, it's it's okay, but it really as it goes on, and maybe I'm just in a good going back to what I talked what we talked about with what I talked about with Natalie on the podcast a week uh, or just a few days ago um because I mean I've been in the mood of this uh, or I've been so accustomed to seeing movies about female friends that like as that as a movie about two friends who um will you know come together and fall apart over the course of their friendship but like there's a core connection between them i think plan b really succeeds and is very sweet mm-hmm. and when it's fun it's fun but um it's it just generally feels like a, a a lower rent version of things we've already seen but i still i don't want to like end on that because i want to end how i ended at the end of the movie i was like oh i like that because it ends well yeah so i'll end with that <laughs>